Hello, lovely. It's Shauna Lee, and welcome back to the Soul Frequency Show podcast, where we're stepping into the light and raising our frequency together. Each week, we get to return to this sacred space to have conversations about the things we all experience in life, love, health, and career. A space where we, as spiritual beings, having this human experience can amplify our gifts and remember our truth. The title of this episode is Narctionary. So similar to a dictionary, we are going to be talking today about a narctionary, just really defining a lot of the terminology around the narcissistic behavior and narcissistic personality disorder. It's a really important topic, and I'm thrilled to have my guest here today. When an abuse victim is lured into an insane world of narcissism, it is no different than a victim being manipulated and onboarded into the private world of a religious cult. Our guest today is Dr. Tracy, a thought leader, entrepreneur, author, women's empowerment expert, and most important, a survivor of narcissistic abuse. From firsthand experience, she knows how difficult the road to recovery is, and for the past 26 years has committed a portion of her life to help women heal from narcissistic trauma. She is the founder of the WIN Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit that offers programs of recovery for those faced with narcissistic trauma. Her highly acclaimed Reclaiming Me program, From Narcissistic Abuse to Self-Love, has been healing and empowering lives since 1996. This program takes place twice a week and has never missed a week of healing in 25 years of service. Today, Dr. Tracy is here to talk about her latest book, Narctionary, the Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Dictionary. This comprehensive dictionary and reference manual features over 350 words, definitions, and terms related to narcissism, narcissistic abuse, and also narcissistic trauma and recovery. It truly gives name to the many ghosts within the world of narcissism, which when the ghosts have name, we have the power to heal and protect ourselves. With no further ado, please help me welcome Dr. Tracy to the show. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy you're here with us today. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so I wanted to have you on the show, really, because sometimes I get these like energetic kind of I don't know, blips or, or sparks that happen for me. Um, when I see either somebody's work or a title of their book or something that they're doing and we've talked about, you know, we've been doing this for like almost six years now, this show, and we've really? talked about, yeah, while now. So we've talked about, you know, different facets of narcissism and narcissistic abuse and, you know, these types of things in relationship but I was really, really interested in your point of reference to this work and like your story behind um, what you're bringing to the world. And so I wanted to just dive into that. So that's the reason I immediately felt this spark. And I was like, mm, I want to talk to her and I want to talk about this. And I think I think it's really important to have this conversation because I think that it's a term that's getting used a lot right now. Like it's kind of really coming to the surface, um, but it's also a term that 
is not always defined in the proper way. You know, people, we, we get these taglines and these terms that people use and all of a sudden, you know, everybody's this and everybody's that. And I think we really need to educate ourselves on what it is really, right? And what is somebody's experience, you know, with narcissistic abuse? So that's what I want to really jump into with you today. Um, but before we kind of talk about the book, take us back to your journey. And obviously, when you take the time to write a book, there's a story behind it, right? And there's life experiences behind that. And so give us a chance to kind of know a bit about what brought you to this day. Well, I've been in in the world of abuse recovery for about 30 years, but I have lived through abuse probably in my childhood. Specifically, what I mean by that is, you know, many people ask me, what's your orientation with with narcissism? And I was raised in with um, in a narcissistic environment. And so the reason that my life reached such high levels of pain because of narcissistic abuse is that I didn't think anything was wrong. That because I was exposed to this personality since my childhood, the the temperament of the narcissist was normalized to me. So I would go out into the world and of course do normal and continue just to attract over and over and over again, uh, narcissistic personalities. Now, the the one thing that you mentioned that really important is that you know you're right that people are just throwing around oh narcissist narcissist and the the reason that that's not happening is because the narcissism is is it's not like being pregnant you either are or you're not you're talking about this condition that sits on a spectrum and so you could be having a really rotten day, Shannon, and just not show up as your best self. And, you know, your the old you pops out and you respond in a way that could be very narcissistic. And so what people are doing is if somebody's having a bad day or, or um, just handled something inappropriately, as I like to say, they just kind of earn their jerk card for the day that that they are behaving like a narcissist, but that doesn't mean that they are a narcissist. We all have that tendency in us because we all need a certain amount of narcissism to be a healthy person. It's when the spectrum goes out of balance this way or this state way that we start reaching levels of trauma and pain and, and toxicity in our day-to-day -day life. Mm, that's beautifully put. So because something occurs on a spectrum, like that can also be really challenging to say, like, when has it gotten to the point of trauma and abuse, right? And like, at what point do I, I think for people that have been in relationships, like some really love relationships too, they've said to me before, like, like, it's hard to know when you've crossed a line, like, where is that line? And like you said, so beautifully, like the difference between somebody being in a moment and having a bad day versus like these tendencies. Can you take us through some of the things that maybe you've worked with people or you've experienced in, within yourself to say, like, how do I know and define when I'm in a situation that's abuse, that's narcissistic abuse? Well, let's talk about the the beginning stages of that because the the end the, the end stages of answering that question is when you feel insane, you've lost yourself, you're invisible, you find yourself crying more than laughing or even having a sense of joy. You know, this is how you know you're in it for sure that your life is in in high degrees of toxicity. 
in the beginning stages, what's so difficult about a narcissist is that narcissists begin all, all relationships, what's called with love bombing. And they come in there and they, they see their target and they, they flatter and they build up and they put on a pedestal and they buy and they future fake and they do all these wonderful things uh, behind this fake facade with the goal of getting you addicted. Um, there's a purpose that they're doing that. And what happens is that this, this uh, ideology, it's phase one in the narcissistic cycle, I call it the dream girl, dream boy, boy stage, that this phase can last up to two years. And so you could be two years into a relationship and then literally, you know, little things will happen is, you know, the way that I describe it is, have you ever um, like left your house and then, and then you walk in and you're like, I think something smells. No, maybe. No, I think something smells. So that's what happens in the relationship is certain things will start to happen. And you're like, did that really happen? Did you know, and, and so you start to pick up on these little uh, things that they're doing within the relationship. And, and what's happening is that there's three phases in the narcissistic cycle. So phase one is what I call the dream boy, dream girl stage, the honeymoon stage. And that's when everything is beyond amazing. And then the second cycle is called the degradation stage. And that's suddenly when the narcissist starts finding fault in you. Um, no matter what you do, it, you, you can't seem to get back to good. They start um, slowly gaslighting you. So blame shifting so we start there all their their mental games and then as it goes through to, to the third cycle it's called the discard and that's when they will literally just walk out of your life or do many discards well they'll continue to break up with you and leave leave you on the floor only to come back and it's a technique called hurt to rescue that they'll pick you up brush you off pretend that they love you for a short season but just quickly jump right back into the degradation right back into the discard and it's it's it feels like you're alone but it's not so to answer to your question really really clearly uh i would say that when I you're in a relationship or not to feel the blur and if you find that you are with somebody and you don't know what they represent you don't know what they're clearly asking you don't know exactly where you stand if there's any sense of a blur then then there's chances that you're beginning to dabble in a narcissistic relationship Interesting. So like how wild if you are two years into a relationship with Mr. or Mrs. Amazing and all of a sudden these signs start showing up, you're going to like not even process that because you have all this evidence of like we have this great, amazing relationship. Like is the narcissist, do they know what they're doing? Like in the sense that like, are they psychologically saying, oh, I'm just going to treat her so good or treat him so good and do all of these things so I can get ultimately control probably of this person and then flip on them? Like, are they that aware of it or is it there a lack well, of awareness? Narcissists are very calculated. They, they do know what they do. And to answer that question, the further up the scale they go, and so let me just describe this really quickly, the further up the spectrum they go, the more intentional their acts of harm are. So 
narcissism, we all need healthy narcissism right here in front of us. And healthy narcissism allows us to keep the good in the bad, the bad out. Hey, not today, not, you know, not, not on my world. As it goes on up the scale, it then it turns into narcissistic characteristics. And these are just very difficult people. These are people that by the time you've spent a day with them, you're just like, <laughs> Um, as it goes on up the scale, it then merges into narcissistic personality disorder. And these are very problematic people. <clears throat> as it continues to go on up the scale, it then goes into antisocial personality disorder, sociopath, psychopath. And these are dangerous people that you just need to stay away from. What I want to do, not right now, because I want to stay where you are, is what's on the other end of this spectrum? And I'll give you just a hint. What keeps us stuck in a narcissistic relationship is on the polar opposite end. Yeah. So what's that? It's a condition called self-love deficiency disorder. And it's many times what's found in empaths. It's a what I call a wounded empath. And that is what the draw is for the narcissist is that they see this person with warmth and caring and and the ability to love so deeply and forgive easily. And they they want that so bad in their life, but they don't have the skill set to go there. So they they try to just attach themselves onto a person and literally siphon it out of them. And when they have gotten everything that they have to gain from that person, that's when the discard happens in a relationship. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I I don't have any psychological background in this dynamic, but when I started my practice, like I saw this from an energetic standpoint, right? And I actually did, I have like a small little mini course on this just from the standpoint of what's happening energetically between, you know, I call it an empath, right? And a narcissist. And like, because what I started seeing, and it wasn't something I ever looked into, I'm going to say from a mental standpoint. So I wasn't ever looking at this like, oh, this is fascinating to my mind. And I want to learn about the psychology, but I came across it as I started working with people. And obviously because of what I do, a lot of people that feel attracted to my work are empaths and they're on, right. And they're on a spiritual journey and they're awakening to certain things in their life. And and I just started to see this pattern over and over and over again. And, and it became interesting to me on this like energetic level. And when you talked about like how they take their energy, like that's what I was seeing on our, on our energetic being, like on, on the part of us that, you know, that a lot of people don't have connection to yet in the world, right? They don't, they don't have a, that concept in their mind. But the way that they would literally, and the analogy I use is like pull up at the gas tank, take whatever gas they want all day long. You know, you have to leave the you have to leave the gas station open 24-7 for whenever I want to pull up and fill yeah. up my tank, right? Which and, actually called narcissistic fuel. So that's a really good analogy. Yeah, that's what I saw in my head when I started like seeing this pattern. It was just like, oh, that's that's funny that that's what it's called. And yeah, and it was just like was you're not allowed to close the gas gas station. You're not allowed to deny me. Yeah, yeah. To deny me when I need gas and I'm not going to pay for it. And I'm not going to, you know, there's no exchange to this. Like, it's just basically me taking what I need out of this until like the gas station runs dry. Right. And then I'll, and then I don't even care. I'll just go to a different gas station. Right. And start getting that going over there. That's exactly what it is. And energetically, um, you know, I run a, a recovery program and it's called Reclaiming Me. And 
when I needed to, when I needed to save myself from myself and I began seeking counseling, I, I went to the therapist and as all therapists say, you know, why are you here? And I said, because my brain feels like it's made of mush and I feel invisible. So that was my beginning journey. And where I'm going with this is as I began to, I, I did in the beginning parts of my, of my recovery, I did what many people do is I studied, you know, every aspect of narcissism, who is it, you know, can I change them? Can they be changed? All, all those different things. And I continue just to focus so much on the narcissism. Well, one day when this, I was studying about the spectrum disorder and everything. And I learned that, you know, they say healthy narcissism, narcissistic characteristics, narcissistic characteristics are like, they're always focusing on that. And, you know, what, what's the saying when the, when the student is ready, the teacher will present itself. And one day I'm like, this isn't enough for me. And one day suddenly um, I was introduced to this, to the other side of the spectrum is that the polar opposite is this thing called self-love deficiency disorder. And one day it was like, I, I suddenly got a download and I said, what, why don't I take my eyes off the narcissism and simply focus on my self-love deficiency disorder? And what happened is that self-love deficiency disorder and narcissism are on the same energetic level. And so I just made a conscious choice to say, if I can just raise my self-love vibration, that suddenly I'm on a completely different level than, than narcissism and narcissism cannot attach itself or align itself to my life anymore. And so it's really a strategic part of healing in, in the way that I help people heal. So I, I just love what you said earlier about it being energetic because it is. And that's exactly, exactly how it works. Exactly how you describe when you get yourself, you know, out of alignment with the thing that is consistently showing up in your life. And I think, you know, what you said earlier about, I just kept ending up in the same type of relationship. And most people would say this, right? They've got at least one area of their life. It doesn't have to be relationship where it's like the same result keeps showing up over and over again, like in different situations through different people. And then we say, like, wait a second, at a certain point, like, I'm the constant in this situation, there, are, there must be something in my vibration that is aligning, you know, with this, like person belief, you know, anything. And then what do I need to do, which is what you just said, that's so powerful, so that I can shift out of that alignment. And then I'm not going to have the same result, the same thing can't show up. And it's so perfectly said, because, and the funny thing about it is that, like, when we're in an alignment, we don't like, right, like, let's say, with narcissism, right? Like, oh gosh, I keep, I keep attracting narcissists. And then we form a belief around that. And then everywhere we go, that belief gets stronger. And then we get more evidence for that belief. And it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like we go yeah. deeper into that energy alignment and it's like, and the beliefs get more and more solid. And then we keep having the same thing step in. And, and it's like, wait a second to get out of that. I have to stop like existing in that line, right? Existing in yes. that belief pattern. And I have to think differently, right? And shift my energy. And then it literally becomes like a force field where where like the narcissist cannot get in, right? They, they were never going to, like you can be walking down the same street and you're like gonna pass each other, you know, and not even yeah. feel that attraction. Yeah, it is. And the beautiful thing is, with, with this methodology uh, of healing, 
you you only have power and control over your own life and over your own thoughts and over your own choices. And you become so empowered over your recovery journey and all the investment goes into you. I mean, it's just it's like, it's a win-win. It's brilliant. You stop being harassed and bullied by narcissists. So that's the payoff. Yeah. And after, you know, for the, the empath, a lot of time, there's so much energy and attention going to the narcissist, right? Being fed to the narcissist, like that it's like, oh, what happens? Like, think how powerful your energy is and your attention is. Like, what happens when I turn that back to myself? right? To give myself my own energy and attention and focus and like, you know, focus and energy expands, attention expands something, whatever we're, we're putting our attention on. It's like, what happens when I put that back on myself and just start expanding that instead of everywhere else? Yeah. And and if anybody's listening who has been in narcissistic trauma for a a long time, I want to say that you deserve to turn that energy on yourself. You are not obligated as Shannon Shanna said that you are not obligated to keep to be the fuel source for anybody we're all responsible for our own our own well-being and you are, you have not been put on this earth just to be a gas um, gas station for another person that as they continue just to run out of energy come and you know suck the life out of you you have a much bigger uh, footprint that you're meant to leave on this earth than to support somebody in their dysfunction. Yeah, it's so true. Let's talk about like going back to the beginning in your practice and the people that you've worked with and does it begin in these primary relationships? Like, is that like 80% of people or, or is this something that just shows up in people's adult lives. So if you track back and say, okay, who are these people's caregivers and parents? And, you know, are you seeing it go all the way back to our earliest relationships? Well, I would say the majority, yes. There are also those rare situations where somebody was raised in in a very overly protective environment. So they honestly don't understand that that there are people out there who would think manipulatively right off the bat that they're they're just their innocence got them tangled up in in somebody else but the majority is is the the first part of that question which it stems in childhood and that's that's how that's how I was introduced to it. You know, there was never any physical violence or anything of that nature, but being with a person who, you know, had to have the primary voice in the house. And if you disagreed with that, there was almost a punishment and the punishment wouldn't be like a beating or anything like that because it didn't come from a violent family, but it would be, you know, harsh judgment, segmented love and to children, this is devastating. Yeah. And this sets up patterns, right? Of what you believe love is like this behavior is what I equate to love because it's the only thing I know. And of course, you know, that love, what love is gets formed. And many times it isn't the highest love or it isn't healthy love that gets formed in childhood. Exactly. Exactly. Conditional love and love that only serves other people. And that's how codependency is born. And, you know, empaths are natural givers and they're probably natural overgivers. And you you add a wound to that, a trauma wound to that, and you have just a prime. It's just like 
prime beef, prime property for the, the narcissist to consume. In your own life story and your own journey, like when you started to see this pattern and you started to say, I want to change this and dive deeper into your own healing journey, like what were the dots you started connecting? Like if you can go back and if you can remember it, maybe you don't, but if you can remember back to like starting to put the puzzle pieces together, what were you starting to recognize? Well, I think I, 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 that is such a big question and it came in many layers. I think my first disconnect was, was um, I, I was just suffering. I, I just, the joy had left the relationship. I was living in constant fear of, of abandonment, um, a constant anxiety, constant depression. And so really, when I began to make my way out of narcissism, it wasn't on the, you know, you, you couldn't log into social media and hear anything about it. So it was really a blind road for me for a long time. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about, about getting education out the proper education out there so that people can don't have to suffer in it like I did. But like I said, when I went into counseling the first time I, I went in for saying, you know, my brain feels like mush and, and I feel invisible and, you know, who can diagnose you with anything from that. And it took a while for somebody to finally say to me, Tracy, I think that you're in a narcissistic relationship. And I was like, what? And then what happens after that is that, you know, when we think about the standard narcissist, we think about somebody who's very grandiose, very vain, very self-serving, all conversations lead back to self and blah, blah, blah. And, and, very misogynistic and, and things of that nature. But as research has unfolded, there are so many different types of narcissism. There, There's a cerebral narcissist, and that would be, if I were to paint a picture, it would be like the snobby professor who thinks that you're they're the smartest one in the room and everyone is stupid and beneath them. Um, there's the, the covert narcissist, and the covert narcissist is somebody who is the perpetual victim that every time you talk to her, him or her, somebody's beating up on him or her, they're just always the victim, always the victim, always the victim. And you would never think originally, like, is this narcissism? But it is. It's a very dangerous form, and they can be very passive aggressive. And so there is there were so many different types of narcissism out there. But my main my main thing is that I literally felt invisible. I I I questioned whether I, I had the right to even take up space in this earth. My life had become about, yeah, here's, here's what somebody needs to hear. My life had become about how to, my focus was about keeping another person calm to not go into an episode rather than getting up and doing my dream every day. And so I literally became that perfect fuel source for the narcissist because I would wake up on defense, you know, okay, what, what can I do to keep this person calm? What can I do to make this person happy? Oh, dang, I got it wrong. How can I fix this? I lost all connection with my own life. It's no different than being with somebody who has a, a, any type of an addiction problem that we lose our life to their addiction. It's very easy to lose your life to, to the moods of the narcissist. 
And what would that look like? So you're obviously walking on eggshells to hope that an episode doesn't happen. Like what, what was that episode like for you? And what went on like in your body and in your mind in those moments? Because if we, if something is bad enough to us, whatever it is, right? Like you related to his episodes as something that causes you to go into a state, right? That doesn't feel comfortable to you. Like, yeah, like what was happening in those moments and what were you feeling? Well, I think, you know, the, 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 there's something that's called narcissistic fear. And, and for me, where I was at that stage of my life is that I had huge abandonment trauma wounds. So anything that would threaten have the scent of abandonment on it, I would be like, no, 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 that's not going to happen. And I had love addiction going on and all these different things on my side. So I was, I was in a, it consumed in, in fear uh, and, and it was the fear of both the the destruction of the relationship that I had been convinced was so great, you know, because it went on for so long, so great until it wasn't. There was, there was, you know, there's this weird dynamic that you get into. It's like the devil that you know. And because they chip and chip and chip away at your self-worth, you know, people would say, why don't you just leave? And I'm like, because I literally was convinced at that time that if I walked out that door, the world would split open and swallow me up. And it's just, it's what happens that narcissists do something that's called narcissistic brainwashing and it's no narcissistic conditioning, sorry. And it's no different than being onboarded onto a cult where they brainwash you into their crazy beliefs that if, if you, if you're knee deep in narcissism and you shed all of your filters that you're holding your breath on and all your white knuckling and all that, and you were to tell somebody what you tolerate on a day-to-day basis, the average person would be like, what? And, and even when you would hear yourself, like I'm tolerating this and because it, it's such a slow degradation of self that now when I look back, I'm like, gosh, I can't believe that I tolerated that from another person. But it just, you know, how did that happen? Inch by inch by inch by inch by inch. Yeah. And the power of that, right? I mean, there it's torture, like repetitive, you know, inch by inch is like literally the types of tortures that they do all over the world in all kinds of different ways, right? It's psychologically a torture, but it's a physical torture too, right? To repetitively do something to somebody. And like, and that is, you know, I don't think we always think about like, because it's happening little by little and because like as human beings, we are adaptive, right? So we adapt to our environment. And if that environment, like if you find, you know, when you deal with any kind of change, right, whether you're affecting change in people's lives, like we all have this, these various relationships to change, right? And for most people, it's very uncomfortable. And those alarm bells go off when, when massive big changes happen in people's lives, it's too much to go from like zero to a hundred in one fell swoop. And, and people are sent spinning, right? Psychologically, emotionally, but when you start changing little things, right? Like if you think about a diet program or something like that, they're like, Oh, make small changes. Right. And we can adapt to those small changes. And we, and it's positive, right? That can be really positive, like make one step every day. And, and all of a sudden you're, you know, you're there before you know it, but the reverse is true too, right? If someone is doing something little by little by little to erode you, like we don't tend to always notice it in those little increments, but eventually it's like, you wake up one day and you're like, 
where am I, right? Who am I? Like how'd this happen? Right. And that, that's a perfect description of what happens in a narcissistic relationship is over time, they, they try to chip away at your beliefs, at your opinions, at, at your desires, at your needs. And and the way that I describe it is that they, they chip and chip and chip until you end up this little mouse in the corner apologizing for taking up the space in life that you do. Recovery is simply about learning to take up the space that is rightfully yours. We all have the right to go through this journey, taking up our own space, and nobody has the right to come into our space and 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 take up what is rightfully ours. But that's what narcissists do, and um and and do they know what they're doing? Like I said, I say the further up it goes on the spectrum, I think deep inside they all they do know. They do know that they're manipulating, but they're in such a survival mode that. They, like most uh, beings in survival, they'll, you know, they'll do what it takes to survive. The one thing I wanted to touch on really quick that you had mentioned is, is that the, the physiological stresses of narcissism are something that needs to be taken very serious because for me, for example, when, because I, there was so much fear in, in my relationship that that what happens is that you know we have our fight or flight within us correct and if this flight or fight response gets gets triggered too much it's like a gas pedal that will get hooked it'll get stuck on and so you'll be in a state of hypervigilance which is this, this chronic like am i okay am i okay am i okay what's going on and uh, what they're now finding is that that actually damages part of the brain and it causes this one part of our brain to shrink because of the constant stress factors, the cortisols that are going into our system that we can experience memory loss and different things of that nature. So it, narcissistic abuse is not only psychologically traumatizing to a person, but if you're exposed to it for long, long terms, you will start to face physical ramifications from the constant state of trauma that you're in. There's a, an actual condition that uh, all narcissistic abuse victims uh, suffer from, and it's called CPTSD. It's not PTSD, post-trauma stress disorder. This is called CPTSD. And, and in order to authentically heal from the trauma wounds of narcissistic abuse, that you need to go through the recovery process of CPTSD. Interesting. So fascinating. So your book... Right. Your book, you have worked on this in your own life. You've healed this in your own life. You help other people. Why sit down and write the book? Like, what is the, your why or your burning thing of like, oh, like if people knew this, if I could put something in their hands so they could understand this, like, what was that moment of inspiration? So uh, that's a really good question. So what happened is first I, I, I wrote my, my very first book that I wrote that tells my story. It was called The Courage to Say No More. And then after that, I developed um, a, re a recovery program called Reclaiming Me. So fast forward and, you know, this is like this has been going on for years as to take place twice a week and the teachings and the tools and all that uh, takes place in the classes. So what happened was it, it was less than a, a year ago, believe it or not. And I received a phone call from um, a, a friend of mine and she was finding herself in the midst of just uh, being discarded by her husband of 13 years. And she was on the floor. She couldn't, she was just in that shock zone and, and whatnot. So 
she she began to say things like, you know, I mean, it, it was as though he turned into another person overnight. And I said, ah, the mask fell. She said, the what? I said, the narcissistic mask. And they put on a, a, a faux personality. A what? A faux personality. It's a fake personality. It's a false personality. It's what they live in. And then, and every time we talked, I would just get so confused about what he would say. And I couldn't follow it. And I said, ah, because he's he's feeding you word salad. What? He's feeding me what word salad is where they jumble up so many words that you, you they make you lose um, stability. And, you know, and all the times that, that he apologized, it's like he never meant it. And I I just can't. Why can't I heal? And I said, because it was a faux apology, not an apology. A what? A faux apology. So what happened is not she after we were done talking, she's like, you know, you should write down all these little words out there. So we newbies in recovery could at least reference a book to understand, like to give name to it. And my mother had always raised me with, with this uh, story and I dedicate the book to her. And I tell the story at the beginning is that when something doesn't have a name, it's like fighting a ghost and that we can't grab a hold of it and bring it into our life and mend it and heal it and love it. Or if it's best, that best doesn't serve us, remove it from our life. So Narctionary is all about giving name to all of the shenanigans and the dynamics that happen within a narcissistic abuse trauma because when we, we have name to it we're able to say hey <laughs> that was a faux apology and it's not an apology because it's lacking empathy and so i'm not going to believe it and we're able just to grab hold of all of it and there's 350 terms and words in the book and so it came about because when on my recovery, literally on, on my phone, I had a file that every time I would be learning, because I was, you know, like all people who enter narcissistic recovery, we just, we become like addicted to searching anything on, on the internet about it. And I, I had already begun a list just for myself with all these crazy words and terms and I had already had it alphabetized. So all I did was, you know, cut and paste and worked on the formatting and cleaned it up and it turned into a book. It's so great. It's such a, it's like something you can keep right with you as you're going through the recovery process. And I think it's probably very, um, full of like moments of you realizing that this relationship that you were in, right. Or that you experienced as a child, as you start to uncover this, like it's almost paint by number in the sense that like, when you look these words up, you're like, Oh, I've experienced that. And I've experienced that. And like, he did this or she did that. Like, like it must be very, very validating, right. To know that it's not just you that's experiencing this or has experienced this, that there's actually like, this is going on out there, right? And there are people on this spectrum and you start to like be able to, I think it's so great that you say like, when you have a word for it, then you can define it, right? And you can say, that's what that is. And I'm not gonna like be a party to that anymore, which gives you your power back. Exactly, exactly. I was talking to somebody uh, maybe four weeks ago. And this person was gaslighting me. And I never imagined that it, it, it was a female and I known her for years and years. And I found myself needing answers. And every time I would go for an answer, I would leave and I would be like, God, I still don't have my answer feeling more and more confused every time. And all of a sudden I go, 
Tracy, you're being gaslit. Somebody is trying to deny your truth. You know your truth. And so I went back and I asked the question again and I got this, this whole, you know, thing that was happening. And I said, you know what? You're gaslighting me right now. And I, I don't appreciate it. I need a clear answer. And I was able to go from this crazy out of control feeling to write. And, and this is a person in business that I work with. So narcissism isn't just about a couple's relationship. It can happen with your parents, your siblings, people that you work with, people that you you fellowship with. It's very important that that you that you know what you're dealing with it because it's not going to go away. And in fact, one of my my the book is selling like crazy and which tells me that, you know, it's well needed. But um there was a, a friend of mine that I showed up and she's like, I bought your book. I'm like, oh, well, thanks. And she's, and she's not in a narcissistic relationship and she's a brilliant lady. And she said, so it took me about you know, two, two and a half, three days to go through it. Cause it's really easy reading. And she said, and you know what I, I, she goes, first off, I didn't know so much about the subject. She said, but secondly, and she took the book and she opened it up and she's like, I was making notes next to the words for different people that I I need to become aware of. And she's like, in my, in one of my friendships, I need to, you know, this person's doing that and that needs to stop in the workforce. I have a coworker that's doing that and causing chaos and that needs to stop. And because she had name, she yeah. was able to directly deal with the situation instead of being taken off on, on a crazy rabbit hole run that leaves you just as confused when you started. Yeah, that's a great point. It's like every relationship in your life, right? You want to look at that and and look at it through new eyes because sometimes we get in relationships or we've been in them for a very long time, whether it's friends, friends or coworkers or, you know, love relationship or family members, and we just don't see it. Like we're just, you know what I mean? You see a relationship through a certain lens and you're not really looking because you've been in that relationship a long time and and you read this book and you start looking right? You start looking across your relationships or maybe even other people's relationships, right? Like friends of yours that come to you and tell you stories about their relationship. And you're like, Hey, you should, you should check out this book, right? It's just a good, like kind of inventory to take. I think that's really, really powerful. Yeah, it is. It, it is helping people. And like I said, it's not just for people who are in trauma. It's, 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 it's just a book of sanity to me. Just even when I, I wrote it and I looked at it, I go, dang, I wish I would have had this from the start, you know, start here and learn, you know, the names that you're dealing with. And when it has a name, you're able to bring it into your life. You're able to put boundaries on it. You're able to mend it possibly, or if it doesn't serve you, you're able to just eliminate it from your life because we're not on this earth to make other people comfortable. We're on this earth to serve our personal journey and somebody who really loves you, they're not going to stop you from that journey. Yeah. And would, do you have groups that you lead at this time? Like, do you have a program that you take people through? I have a program that we've been doing for 25 years. Yes. And it wow. takes place twice a week. Yeah. We're, I'm really, really committed to helping people recover to recover from this so it takes place on a wednesday night and thursday night um covid did as well because we took all of our walking classes and took them into zoom rooms and one is on a, a pacific coast time 
7 p.m. Wednesday night Pacific Coast time and Thursday East Coast time at 7 p.m., which is around 4 p.m. in California. So we have two different classes available and they're they're just educational class. And really what it is, it's about taking the journey to self-love and focusing on on what we need to do to raise our vibration and specializing in this is what you've gone through. So you're not crazy. And we talk about it. It's all related to narcissistic abuse and narcissistic trauma. Every week I I got a vision once about self-love and the vision that was painted in my mind's eye was that, that self-love looks like a boardwalk in that, you know, how boardwalk has many planks side by side by side by side. So if there's only one plank on, on this self-love journey, um, we're going to be walking like this, right? But the more planks we have, the stronger our foundation comes. So this program is all about building a steely foundation of self-love under your emotional feet so that when one of the areas drops, you're still you're still stabilized. And one of the things that you mentioned earlier is actually one of the planks that we teach the women to lay down in their foundation, and it's the plank of validation, that we all, in order for us to heal, and that's it, there's there's six modules in the program, and in in module four, we're specifically healing from CPTSD. And one of the things that absolutely needs to happen in order to heal from narcissistic recovery is somebody to validate that what you experienced is real. That to have somebody look at you and say, yes, this is real. And going back to the Narctionary book, that's why this book I feel is so important is because we need to, a person who's in recovery needs to know that they're not crazy because we're talking about a lot of mind manipulation. And when we can send a trauma, a trauma victim of narcissistic abuse, you're not crazy. What you're experiencing is real. And somebody might've gone nuts and died, but you're still alive. So you're stronger than what you think. But just that essence, that, that one tool, that one self-love tool of, of validation, 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 that, that helps heal the soul. Yeah, it's so beautiful. So share where people can get in touch with you, your website and get the book. Uh, well, here's here's the first thing that I want to know is that the the, the book could be is found on Amazon, Amazon.com, and it's called Narctionary, just like dictionary, only with Narctionary. So you can find it there. Our classes are called Reclaiming Me. Um, my name is Dr. Tracy, and my website is drtracy.tv. And when you go on uh, you can request to be a guest of the class. The first class is complimentary and um, just put the name of the show or Shanna's name and we will make sure that you get a complimentary guest pass to go through. And then after that, because we're so passionate, the classes to heal are only $10 a class. And we, you know, I, so many people and coaches are out there to make a buck and I'm all for that. I, I make my bucks and not on the backs of, people who are in narcissistic abuse trauma. This is my labor of love and um, my my heart and my souls to help women heal. It's only $10 to attend at the first class. So you, you will be uh, Shanna's guest at our first class. 
that's wonderful so beautiful so if anything resonates with you guys like in what we've been discussing like the next step is to just be around a supportive group of people right who understand and who can validate and help and support and and that you can learn right when you get in communities of people just like all of our community here with this show like you learn something new every time you listen and it opens up a part of you and expands you know your mind your heart your consciousness. And that's really what we're all here doing, right? Whatever we're healing from, we're expanding our consciousness and we're doing it together. We're a team um, and a group of powerful beings that are expanding not only our individual lives, but the world, right? What this experience is um, for the future of humanity um, and for all of us that are here. So thank you so much, Dr. Tracy, for being with us and for hanging out and for sharing your life journey and your work. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me and keep up the good work because the work is good. Hey, lovely. This is Shauna Lee. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Soul Frequency Show. If you got even one piece of valuable information, head over to Apple Podcasts and share a review with your takeaways. And follow us because we got lots more goodness to come. We are spreading the love far and wide. And you know where to find me over at IG at The Soul Frequency. Until the next time, love, here's to positive vibes and powerful awakenings. Mm -hmm.